Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get right into another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Just fine, just fine, just fine. Everything's good, everything's good. Doc, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I've been told I need to remove my research voice and go into my presentation voice. That's a constructive criticism from someone? Yes, they told me that I need to. They like to hear what I'm saying, so that's a good thing. So they said, speak up. That's good. That's good. That's right. Yeah. It means you got people listening. So, yeah, real good. What's on your brain? too laid back. Let it sound like you. In classroom. Professors in a bunch of classrooms. No, I go off in the classroom. This is when I'm allowing other, what they so-called call intellectual. But we know people are listening because we've got questions coming on Twitter. We've got other comments and all coming coming on Facebook and everything. So what do you want to talk about first? Well, let's, let's answer the questions. Yeah, let's answer the well, questions. Well, no, I don't want one of those questions we already talked about in private, so we can't talk about that one. So, oh, yeah. Understand that. Okay. All right. And so then I go with the one that, that we all mentioned it earlier today to be discussed. Uh, with the uh, NFL and the ESPN, there's a contrast in TV schedules apparently brewing. Uh, somebody wants a Monday night. Somebody is demanding a Monday night, <laughs> and the other team, uh, the other side is saying Monday night belongs to us and us only. Doc, is, am I reading this wrong? That the NFL is putting their foot down now that they, because uh, uh, looks like the national championship game was drew what folks wasn't expecting. You know, it's, it's been a, it's been a put off for so long. Now everybody's like, oh, we can actually make some money off of this. Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think the NFL is in a very good position to really push their muscles like they could. And that's why... I hope not. No, they're not. And you can tell why they did it. And the reason I said that, they were still in their traditional move, just like they kind of did the NBA. Yeah. And like they attempted to do Major League Baseball yeah. a couple of years ago, push their weights around. I think with everything that's going on, Deflate Gate, we just talked about last week at the beginning of the season, you have issues. You know, it's a little tarnish on the shield, as they like to proverbially say. And I think they're not in a position. So what you found out, what Commissioner Goodell went to, he went to basically the two big boys, if you will, of the big power five, and that's uh, Commissioner Slot that's retiring from the SEC and the Commissioner of the Big Ten, Delaney. Yep. Uh, they're pretty much the big dogs. You had a Pac-12 commissioner uh, really coming up and pushing a lot of issues, and he's moving forward, but more uh, on the financial side. And then you have the Big 12 that's ahead of things of trying to put right. media spins out there. So all of them are doing their part. But those two we went to, and I think at that point, he didn't necessarily get the answer he wanted. And so that lets you know that there's going to be some give and take Four minutes, and I think until they're in a better position, they won't push their way. They're going to try to be a little more political and maneuver around this, so it'll be interesting to see what's going on. They do have some advantage from this standpoint um, that ESPN would like it moved as well. And what we're talking about, essentially, the college football championship game uh, wants to follow the same platform that they have for the NCAA tournament, where it's a huge weekend event with everything culminating on a Monday night. So if you notice this past year, you had the Monday night game, which in a lot of ways kind of matches what you were having for the NFL. You play these big Monday night games, so you're in this prime time 
people are ready to be excited about a Monday night, whether it's a championship in basketball for the NCAA, Monday night football, or now Monday night in terms of the championship football game. One plug I would like to put in there, as we do for HBCUs from a historical platform, people may not realize that the State Fair Classic that is played between Grambling and Prairie View and Dallas, Texas, usually two weeks or a week before uh, the Red River Classic now used to be shootout between Oklahoma and Texas, actually was played as the Negro League Day um, at the fair. It was played on a Monday night. They didn't want to give them prime time at that time in terms of a weekend slot. It was the only day that African Americans at the term, obviously they were using Negro and colored, so it was the Negro Day at the state fair. And they would create this huge um, platform for the African American community where they would literally uh, have the Dallas Regional, uh, at that time it had been the segregated high school, which we know is the PVIL now. Correct. They would have that regional championship for Dallas high schools during the day, and at the night they would have the football game, which started with um, Wiley College in Langston, and later um, was Langston and Prairie View, which we see today as Prairie View in Grambling. So that's the framework where the historical framework of Monday night games would come from. So I think that's a nice historical point to put out there. And to give some additional information, is it looks like they were going to be able to celebrate that this would be like the 80th year and Langston was going to play in the game because Grambling had a game against Jackson State. That weekend was not open where they agreed to slide the game back a week, and now Grambling's back in the game to play Prairie But to get back to the college football program platform, ESPN wants the game on Saturday because there is no competition on a Saturday that's in between coming out of the ending season before the playoffs. At that point, the NFL does not play Saturday games. They hadn't played for the last four or five years. So it's wide open, a perfect game where you can get a large attendance. And although they had great attendance this year, there are those that fear that if you go into the New Year's of next year that there will be a precipitous drop in viewership. I'm not sure if they are accurate about that. This is an educated guess. Nobody has really went up to it. They think New Year's uh, people go out, but I would suggest now that don't everybody go out, and some people would love to have something to watch other than the countdown to entertain that night. And so it'll be interesting to see um, will the CFP stay to their guns, and basically they said they want to start a new tradition. They started this year. Everything went positive for them, so why change it? And that's the platform they're on. So there are three huge me mega, beamer, if you would, organizations, billion-dollar organizations. So who went out? I think a term that was thrown out there, uh, this is rich people's problems. And they deal with problems a little differently than people with average salaries or definitely people uh, with little means at all. So it'll be interesting to see who will shift the puzzle pieces enough to shake this out? The last thing I would say about that framework is the reason that the NFL is even looking at this, you've heard the rumors, they want to expand the playoffs, they want more money, and if they do it, they want to be able to sell it on a different platform, and one of the platforms they want to be able to extend it is Monday night and probably a Thursday night, and if they do that, they can get cash cows from those organizations or sell it even to another network uh, to increase revenue substantially. 
So you you have all these power players at the table looking at this, and it'll be interesting. You have to remember, though, ESPN has a partnership with both the NFL and the CFP. So they're going to be careful of how they work this framework, too, because they're going to look at their longstanding interest, and they only want to move this for one year. Outside of that, they're fine with the setup, basically. You know, next year is going to be interesting because the, the semifinal games will be on a, on New Year's Eve on January 31st. Right. Um, and that's the big and, and scare for the networks. Do you think Bill Hancock and the um, other two uh, big dogs, Sleeve and who was it? Uh, Delaney. Delaney and Swabrick from Notre Dame yeah. seems to be the, the, those were the ones that was quoted in the article. And they're pretty much going to be the ones that going to be the negotiation, going to be the lead in, in getting this done or resolving it. How much money do you think will be have to be shelled out to compensate everybody and resolve it? Because that's what it's going to boil down to. I, I think they're going to, I think, honestly, they said it pretty clearly. I think they feel that they should be, they think they should have their seat at the table. So people have to be careful. Just because we know one dog is very big, um, the other dog is a pretty big dog too. So at the end of the day, usually when you have two big dogs, just because one of them is the biggest dog don't mean they're going to fight. And the other one's just going to cower down. So I'm not too sure that it's going to be any financial means that will change this. And the thing that you got to look at is that these are brilliant men in terms of what they do. And I say that with all due respect, although I don't necessarily like um, the outcomes of what they do, but do not question whether these are individuals from the standpoint of business property that know exactly what they're doing. They're very savvy in terms of making moves. They're not too quick to move one game just to make somebody happy for one weekend when it's going to affect them for the next 15 some years. And everybody's had time and all to so resolve all this. They've been standing on this. They've been planning this out. And they put a lot of work to plan out. And you do that type of plan and you have success for the first year, you're not too quick to back down in regards to where you're going with this. So I think this is going to be, in a lot of ways, a stalemate. So we're going to have to kind of find out where all this goes. And only time will truly answer that. And a lot of that has to do with, who has the bigger chips at that time? As I said, there's a little dent in the NFL right now. People don't necessarily want to believe it, uh, but there's a little dent in that shield, and so they need to kind of buff that out before they put that chest back after too far. Uh, you, you can do a lot of damage, and people kind of said that. You know, you have um, the Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban talk about, hey. That may be the downfall of the NFL that they don't understand that sometimes you can get too big for yourself and not understand when you need to walk away because you've won every fight thus far. Don't forget, you know, these concussion lawsuits, uh, the, the political game, legislative game, all that has not disappeared. Well, I'm glad you said that because the other person that spoke out this past weekend was a former commissioner of the NFL. Um, I can't even Taglebu? Taglebu said these, uh, his predecessor should be to spend more time taking care of the business of the league rather than looking at the profit side, antagonizing the players, and, ba- and start to balance the situation. Because at some point, one of those is going to bite you. 
Yeah, I think he's brilliant. The man was brilliant for a reason, and they just come for two cloths. He was the right man they thought for the job, and in terms of finances, without question, he's grew the league. But he's taking on a lot of dents right now, and I think that's what Tagalu is pointing to. If you're going to truly be successful in an organization, you can't just be weighted in one direction. You have to look at the global framework. We've seen many of businesses fall because all they did was look at direct revenue at one given time. They forgot long-standing goals. They forgot to reinvest in uh, research side. And then when the economy changed or slight things changed, they were behind and could never catch up. And the mighty can fall. And I'm not saying from the framework from the end, I'm saying from the framework from being able to have so much control that you cannot necessarily make the moves that you need to make to be even more successful than you are. That's the way I'm looking at this. And I think it's interesting when you have somebody as Tagalog's built, it's similar to past presidents. Generally speaking, they do not like to really speak on the current president um, because they just seem that as meddling. It's not what they do. So for him to come out and say that, this is behind, remember, the decision he made as the arbiter uh, against the New Orleans Saints a couple of years ago. You know, he made a you know a statement in regards to he didn't think that it was handled in the right way, basically. And he tried to provide a shield for him and save some face. But if you really re- read through his report, that was the entire framework. So I think he has some major concern of what he sees taking place at the NFL right now. When I say he, I'm talking about the previous commissioner tagged Well, they got to get something situated pretty quickly because you don't need to be fighting longer than you need too much longer. And that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That you, you cannot have all this weight on your shoulder on a table. At some point, it becomes heavier than you really think it is and things can start to crumble. And unfortunately, we know this. When things crumble or when things fall, they fall pretty precipitously. So that's the framework I see him coming from. And again, I'm not saying this woe is me that the NFL will disappear or anything like this, but I think there are some serious chinks in that armor that they need to take care of if they continue to if they want to continue to have the bounty of financial wealth that they've had in the recent past. Who are you, sir? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, sports professor. Uh, right here at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas. I teach, obviously, sport management, sports law, sports marketing, sports leadership. I'm a historian in a lot of ways, particularly on HBCU sports. Uh, current and past, as I do sports business analysis and HBCU analysis, what I actually call the sporting HBCU diaspora. So uh, that's who I am in a nutshell. Wildcat? I am Fifth Ward Wildcat. Uh, you can find me at uh, Facebook, TweetDeck, Twitter, J.L. Woodley1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., um, also on SoundCloud. It is, it is the same. Uh, you can also find my videos and my interviews uh, at uh, Blogger, Blogspot, and YouTube at The CSR, the college sports reporter. Kind of shocked somebody yesterday when I was at uh, UT. They didn't realize I was going by my new moniker. Uh, some folks saw my, my season pass and 
They were like, when did this happen? I said, it's been a while. Well, they didn't know you were the college sports report? They didn't know I was the college sports report. Well, that's why we are here to help edu- educate people. Yeah. Thank you. And I am KG of the Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, the HR Review on Twitter. You can catch our podcast on our Facebook page, KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. Podcasts are available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. Thank everyone for uh, listening. Thank everyone for their input and their insight. Going to talk some basketball here, aka Mr. Roundball Review. Indeed, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Let's talk uh, James Harden and the Rockets. MVP? No, they ain't even close. Not even what? close. Who is the MVP then? If not even close, he has to be in the running for MVP. Who, who, who do you say is the MVP then, sir? If he stays healthy the rest of the season. No, we're well, talking at this point right oh, now. No. Are you talking about right now? Yes. yes. We are. The... That's all we can gauge. We're not projecting. You, might, you don't have an answer in mind? You just... I did, it, it, to me, it ain't James Harden. That's... And you asked me that. You, you right, exactly. No, but your, your answer, your, you your answer you was so quick, answer. we figured you had an answer. I hadn't seen enough players, but uh, I know, to me, it ain't James Harden. <laughs> wow, wow, Kat. For you, that's kind of that's kind of surprising. That's a weak answer, there, sir. Really? Yeah. You have to have somebody you gonna put him you up. Got, so you had you had no one in mind. Can't be LeBron James. He's out. He's been out. He came back with a fury, and he might go on a run. Oh, he gonna go on a and run. And how? Okay, first things first. How are you, Doc? How you, you define it? Atlanta at the top of the East. And, and, Give me and, at least take somebody off Atlanta. And, yeah, Golden State at the top of the West. At least get somebody else. Well, how are you defining most right. valuable? You define most valuable as outstanding, most valuable to his value to his team. It's different, right? How are you defining it? Most valuable to his team. Okay, that'd be uh, Stephon Curry. See, if you're doing value, then James Harden got to be in the in the discussion. Thank you. Because Rockets have had Dwight Howard's been out. Jason no Terry's been it. out. They wouldn't be where they are without. Him. Uh, they, they acquired Josh Smith. I can't Acquired Corey Brewer. Atlanta. Patrick you know Beverly's who, been out. Oddly enough, you know who I might have to give it for Atlanta? Indeed. Who's the uh, shooter? Cor- Kyle Corver. Corver. They say he's going for 50, 50, and 90. It hasn't ever been done. Right. MVP. Three-point shooting. Kyle Corver may be a better shooter than Steph Curry. That's how awesome this season he's been. 50, 50. And he's 34 years 50, 50, old. 54 has been done. 50, 50? No. Kyle Clover is in another world. Now, I understand like. what frustrates you. You've seen some bad basketball. Yeah. But you hadn't looked close enough. It's been some good basketball, Which, which could be another discussion about the low scoring in men's college basketball. Is, oh. And they're oh, looking into that again and what's wrong with the college game. We can discuss that as well. But seriously, MVP, give me somebody. Stephon Kerr. Okay. They playing at the three-point line. Not, not uh, Clay Thompson, his teammate? No. I mean, and see, at least no. Steph has some help. Yeah. Has had consistent help from Clay Thompson. Who has James Harden had consistently through this season for the Rockets? Chris Paul. It ain't Dwight Howard. Who you, you asked me. San Antonio Spurs. They all been out. Yeah. Okay. So you can stay with Steph Curry. That's fine. That's that's fine. I'll let you. I'll let you. At least you have somebody. With with, with Atlanta, 
That's a team. That's a team. That's a team. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and the folks don't realize what they're looking at. Majority of just about all Americans except for one. And and the strange thing about it, I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna keep saying it. Folks really don't look, know what they're looking at when they see them. Because it's one thing to see San Antonio because you expect that out of them. Correct. It, it, no, everybody it, thinks that Atlanta's going to fall apart. And, and, and they... They're playing some good basketball. They're playing some I don't good think basketball. they're going to fall apart. Somebody's going to have to play very well deep. Yeah. And night in and night out, it doesn't matter. And they've as had, they continue they, to play they've, well, they've had more 30 assist games. Gonna, yeah. They've had more 36 games than anybody in the NBA. Exactly. Year. And as they continue to play better, that confidence is steady going to grow. And this is a team people don't realize. They've been in the mix. They've been in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. You know, they hadn't really had the talent to move. But now, but they, so they're not going to nah. be scared in the playoffs. The other team that you have to show some love to right now, playing some very good basketball, is Washington Wizards. They've been quiet. And they, 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 they've, they've been, been doing they, it very quietly. But if they've been quiet. really into it, they've been playing some very good basketball. But the injuries have hit hit my team Saturday. Brandon Jennings tore his Achilles. And he's game done. versus the Bucks. He's, yeah. he's out for the season. He's out, out six to nine months. Then today, the Hornets announced that Kimball Walker that was will have surgery to, to oh, repair man. a uh, torn lateral meniscus. Wow. And then he's out about six weeks based on what they find when they go when they open up his knee. Oh, and then, of course, Kobe Bryant with the torn rotator cuff. Lakers announced that he'll be out for the season after he has surgery. Uh, now, I know you want to go on, but... That's a helpmate to them, to the Lakers. Yeah, they got to stay top five, keep that pick. That's a helpmate because now you're not forced into a situation. Uh, under, you're not forced into a decision making uh, situation. It's, it's not. It it ends the farce of Byron Scott saying Kobe wasn't healthy or Kobe he was resting Kobe or Kobe played this game. Whatever. If Kobe was healthy, Kobe would play. You know, and put Kobe on a on a limit of minutes and all that. Whatever. Kobe's done for the year. Now they can go and lose. And make it look like they're trying with their poor talent level on the team. Just think, stay top five. Keep in mind, so a few weeks ago, Magic Johnson said he hoped the Lakers lose all their games. Hey, to keep their to keep their uh, pick. <laughs> but then he got called out by the media and and fans uh, saying that. He was criticizing Mike D'Antoni for losing, but now that his his man, former teammate Byron Scott, is the head coach, he wants Lakers to lose. He can do that. Why? He, why he, so? He can do that. He made a decision. Magic was being a hypocrite. That's all. That's all. That's all people were saying. He was being a hypocrite. That's, that's he, all he they were saying. He made a decision to back his guy, and that's what he's doing. And that's fine. But he was he being backing his guy. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I think you can say it's a fair question, but I think there's also a framework that you look different in terms of D'Antonio and the way they were playing and losing uh, versus coming in and and not having Kobe with his strength. Last year at the beginning, he had some Kobe when you're looking at that, and still things weren't going right. But it is uh, interesting to see that he got that type of criticism from that. Anybody see the Rockets get blasted by the Warriors? Yes. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I saw, I'm gonna ask that question again. I saw, I saw the, that. No, I saw only the first half. I, I, I saw that. I didn't fall asleep on that too because I wanted to watch it all the way through. Because I'm, I'm gonna bring this up, man. What is that all about, man? I mean, seriously, it's a it's a matchup issue one. Okay. 
and and the Warriors beat the Rockets twice the last the last two times in the last roughly last five days um, of playing each other. The third matchup, Dwight Howard went off, and James Harden Harden was one for seven from the floor. Dwight had a double double, and Rockets still lost about twenty five points, I believe. Most recent one in matchup number four. Dwight Howard didn't do anything. I think he finished with, he was in single digits. James Harden went off, and the Rockets still lost. So it seems like the Warriors' game plan, Steve Kerr's game plan, is basically let one Rocket player get theirs, and we're just going to stop everybody else on the team. And that that's how it works. And Clay Thompson is a good defender, and he's like defended James or, Harden uh, a well. It works the four and It works the four and But what it comes down to, let me throw this out there at you. It seems like Steve Kerr is a better coach already in his in his brief time as a head coach than Kevin McHale. Oh man, you really went there. That's, that's, that, that, I'm not going there. That's what has been discussed and kicked around <laughs> by Rocket fans, media, Doc, local, national. I'm glad I'm not in them rooms in, in that room discussion. And, and, I, and I noticed this on Twitter. I bet y'all, t- y'all talk about the, a lot of things. After um, and one of those is or, hell during the game, a lot of people perceive the Rockets as being fake tough guys. Now, they were questioning the, the Rockets' toughness. You know, fans are starting to ask that question. You know, Trevor Reza, Patrick Beverly, and those guys trying to, you know, when they get, things didn't go their way in the game against the Warriors, they're trying to bump in the Steph and Patrick yep. Beverly doing these things. And I mean, there were, this, the, the, there were media whining. guys taking calling Rockets, you know, questioning their toughness. And I was like, you be, damn, how tough can you be? Fans are rough, man. But no, it's, I'm just it's, I mean, it's on the serious side, fans are starting to starting to do that on a, on a regular basis. I mean, after the game, I'm going to the going. I understand to, that, but that's not the framework I'm talking about. Oops. But they're basketball players, first of all. Second of all, this is not the old NBA. First, the NBA has legislated that out the game. You can't really be tough true. about it. Now, that, that's true. That's true. These, but these guys are living some very nice lives. It's sometimes it's hard. <laughs> Doc, how do you? Doc, I understand. I understand. I I understand what you just said. I understand what you just said. Life is good. I understand. Here to work. I'm not saying they don't work hard. See, people confuse the two. Some people confuse the fact they say, "Doc, hold on, not tough. That you're not working hard. No, you can work hard and not be tough. That's true. You got. They call it working smart. That's what they call it. They call, when you, as, we, as, we, as you move up the economic ladder. And we talk you, about these young guys and tell them we don't want all these. Everybody else says they don't want all these thugs in the game anyway. So now you want to be tough. Which one is it? You want to be thugs or you want to be tough? I don't know. I want to be about me. And the right? point I'm saying is it's silly. That's a great Can point. Can they play That's a great good point. basketball or not? I don't want y'all nah, to I, I want at random. Least, I want at least one, one Mitchell. No, it's a great point. But like I said, I was surprised I get, I get that you. that this was coming from folks in the media on Twitter. Well, they you know, and, the media is and I was like, <laughs> I was surprised at, at some of these comments from some of these guys. I was like, but okay. they, they go, and I, I'm like you. They do be going off. They do be going off. That's that's kind of strange that folks are starting this. this yeah, they, they looking at it. You know, halfway through the season, they looking at it like, okay, this team should be making a move now. But the last four games, let me go. James Harden, 45, 33, 33, 37. That's a lot of points. They won three of those three of those four games. Okay. You know, Dwight Howard, 
sat out the last two uh, to rest his ankle, I believe, or he hurt him. He ended the ankle in the early part of the game against Phoenix on Friday, and Dwight Howard had to rescue the Rockets in a game winning shot at the buzzer to give the Rockets a 113 111 victory over the Suns. Rockets' defense is has fallen down, and that needs to be shored up. They got a game, home game against the Mavs this Wednesday. Chandler Parsons, first regular season trip to Houston in an opponent's jersey. So that'll be interesting to see how yes, this should be very interesting. How he's treated by the fans yeah. and former teammates, et cetera, and how he responds to uh, getting booed and, and things of that sort. So you believe he will be booed? Talk about some folks, yeah. I mean, the ladies will still cheer for him because they're ladies and they think he's just the most handsome thing. Well, even some of them turned on him now because he's a no longer rocket. Than yeah, I think so. I think he'll, yeah. He hung out, man. Fans are fickle. That, you know, fans he hung out. He's, no, he's no longer one of ours, so that's why they probably will boo him. But, um, you know, the Rockets are who they are. They have problems with turnovers. The defense has slowed down a little bit. They play up tempo. They shoot a lot of threes. Good grief. They took 44 threes last night versus the Lakers. 44th, I mean, that just seems. That is, a, and this is a point I think brought up on Saturday. Are they falling in love with to the point that is, where they forget? That is a, a three-point shot is a reason that scoring is down in college. I agree. I agree. I had a coach. Com- that, combine uh, that fact with college players aren't great shooters anymore. So they're just standing around and jack up threes every, you know, shot clock wind down and jack up a three. Yeah. And, and shoot low percentage, and, and if I they think, make it, it's, it's better than shooting a, a two. And I think part of that equation goes the fact that you have a lot more basketball players playing. There's a lot more schools playing at the Division One level, playing basketball in general than in the past. So the top-tier caliber athlete is spread more thin, and then you add in the fact that you have the three-point line, which is a harder percentage shot to shoot, Especially when you have players that have not really protected perfected their craft from that framework, and you're gonna get the fact. But oddly enough, the coaches more than not are leaning on the three point, so they're allowing this madness uh, to be a part of the game because they're looking at the fact if you can shoot it at a high enough percentage, that you'll win your share. So and it's and it's. Even the high enough percentage, and this is where numbers and and effective field goal percentage and, and new stats are impacting in basketball. And I think um, Rick Pitino and, and his staff was one of the ones who began this years ago when they equated if you shoot 33% on your threes, it's equivalent to shooting 50% from two. But the mentality of Thirty-three percent. That's one out of three. That's not a great percentage. Nope. You're gonna say it equates to fifty percent of twos, high every one. We we yeah, take we we taking a shot. Fifty percent of the two is not high. So we well, depends, especially with especially how close you are to the basket. <laughs> so, but relative, when you're looking at and that's athletes, why we don't have guys, they anymore. can't. Another another problem that was mentioned in the article, I think you said today mentioned it last week about the lack of low post scoring in college. Coaches don't emphasize low post scoring anymore like they used to, right. you know, years ago. 
It's more of a pick and roll, pick and pop type of game, which now, would be fine if guys could shoot from the outside. The coaches would blame it on two things. The fact that AAU, uh, which is, I think is a coward way to go about it, but they uh-huh. would say they blame it on AAU, and they also would say they blame it on the fact that they don't have the time to work with the college well, athletes. Coach Todd Smith of St. Thomas uh, Kelps, in postgame, he admitted that in the first half, his team was getting was was going off. I mean, it was they was dropping threes all over the place, and he kind of fell in love with that. They started the second half pretty much the same way, and when the drought happened, he was looking forward to come back at some point during the game. That's how they ended up losing because they fell in, they, everybody fell in love with yeah, the, with the three, and they forgot they forgot that it was a big man out on the floor, and all, and you know things being what they were, turned over late in the game, and guys jacked it up. Should have just now, also, I faced. think uh, part of the game that you look at and, you, and really the fast break and running the game, you don't get those fast breaks as much true. easy shots because of the way it's defense in a lot of ways and the fact that you have coaches that are holding their team up to give them plays, overcoaching, some people would say, from that framework, but they're wanting to control the game so much that they don't let the free flow of the game play. So you don't have those natural transitions. Uh, which uh, Naismith himself thought the game should be played up tempo. John McClendon did it as one John of the McClendon, John Wooden. Uh, uh, learning from him. That, you know, they talked about moving the basketball, uh, transitioning from a basket, made basket, back and forth. You don't see a lot of that in the game. I mean, you even think about the Lakers' brand uh, was based on that. When's the last time you really have seen that up tempo? Fast break uh, consistently through a game. That's why you know the Warriors style of play is, is fun to watch, but it's fun to watch also because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are great shooters, right. and they shoot a high percentage. Yeah, but most people would say that they don't pick them to go far in the playoffs because they think in the playoffs when they're forced to really slow the game down and have to you know get baskets and other means that they're going to struggle because the shot's going to go away. So I think it'll be – it's interesting that you have that, it's, that it's, quasi it's – It's a mentality that beca- has become truth right. because of – almost because it's how coaches coach in the playoffs. They exactly. slow down. They say you have, you have so much time to prepare for the opponent and all, whatever. Right. If I can play defense and stop you from scoring, stop you from doing what you're going to do, I'm going to get out and run. Right. It's up to you to stop me from scoring in transition. Right. If you can't do it, then you're about to get blown off the floor. And if you really think about it, Miami-San Antonio last year, a lot of that was moving the basketball and really getting taking advantage of transitions in Miami's defense. They just couldn't stop it uh, in terms of that. And they were moving – the ball. So it can be said that it can be done because you've seen it happen last year in the championship. People uh, obviously look more in terms of the totality of San Antonio so they don't get the kind of credit in terms of playing that up-tempo game. But if you watched and go back and watch that, they were up-tempo. Because if, if we, we'd have to do a little research assignment, but if you went back and checked the shooting, the field goal percentage for NBA teams in the Mid '80s, early '90s. Well, it's probably stopped right around the Bulls' first three championships. So you got Celtics, Lakers, Pistons, Bulls. Those three, those teams win championships. 
I promise you, I, I feel certain that their field goal percentage as a team was 47, 48% as a team. Well, now, all they bragged about was the defense they played back then. You know, so how yeah, now, well of a shooting. And I always, I always say this, and one of my good friends, Reagan High School graduate, always kills me when I say this. But talking about the Pistons, they were cited as the bad boys in the defense, all this, that, and other. Their first championship, they averaged 106 points a game. Yes. So that. people forget that. Real quick. But that's, that's the. That's the the uh, how the NBA was played then. Now, I'm not sure half the teams average 106 points a game. You know that that'd be no. until the last few no. years. I can tell you that'd that. be a high in the that, league. That doesn't happen. You know that doesn't happen. That's how that's how the NBA's changed the number of possessions, the uh, shooting percentages of teams, especially individuals, is all going down. And as a coach. Wildcat, if you had an opponent, another coach goes on defense on you. I'm listening. What would what would your mindset be if you were going against his own defense? Would you lick your chops? I would because the folks that because I'm looking at the teams that I've had over over a period of time, and for whatever reason. I just believe in the inside out. I'm gonna have at least one, at least one six nine or bigger in the post player that's active, and that kid can shoot free throws. That means he he is gonna get his hands on the ball on a regular basis. I believe in every fourth possession, big man touch the ball either in a pass situation or he's touching it and that's scoring. And you and you'd have folks who can shoot, and I'd have people that can shoot. I'm got a, I got a mid range guy, and I got a guy that another loss art right there, mid range jump shot. Coach Kent Sampson talked about that the other day. Uh, matter of fact, um, uh, uh, Coach Aston talked about that yesterday at, at that with uh, uh, with against Iowa State. The one factor that makes that offense works is they they always have at least one starter that can mid range and one that's coming off the bench that can mid range because everybody else will be dropping down three. Even that post play, and Doc, it's a sight to see when they when they when they you're not the, doing their job. You're, you're the coach. You telling me you can't make kids shoot mid range? First of all, I'm if you not you coaching now, you said you did it. I'm talking about the current coach. It's a lost art of teaching on the middle school level. Is where I see that. I don't I don't blame the the the, the summer league guys because they how are these million dollar coaches getting away with the fact that they blame everybody except for them? Well. It could be done, especially on the NBA level. You got more time, one on one time with players. To. I'm gonna I'm I'm say this. I, I'll I say it just I like this. Doc, they don't, they don't want to. They don't want to. Exactly. Let's they don't want to. They don't want to. They they quick to tell you what all this, but you the coach. They don't want to. So that's not how you coach the game. Just tell. Especially it. on the college level, you have college college coaching staffs on the men's side, four, five, six, seven, deep, deep. <laughs> deep. And bring in a specialist and if y'all, need be. y'all can't Am don't I have enough time to work with these players. You bring in a specialist. You, got, if you, you need to have a one, a one to one ratio <laughs> on some of these staffs on the college level. Yes, at least two to one. You know, what I mean, come on. Nah, I don't want to hear it. Give me an update on the HBCUs. Yes, one. I can give you some current ups, updates right here, particularly locally. Just got it in Texas Southern women final. Over Mississippi Valley, sixty-three to fifty-two. How much? Sixty-three to fifty-two, playing very good basketball. PV 
women's 83 over Arkansas Pine Bluff 66. Some big wins so far for those teams playing some very good basketball. Uh, as we got into the weekend, Hampton was upset this past week. The Lady Hampton Pirates I'm talking about who have just on in the won. conference. Yes. So Whoa. Savannah State. Their first Woo. time they had lost in some Woo. 36 game conference game. Uh, it was a crazy streak. You, yeah, you, years. you thought it was possible. You, you touched on it. Yeah, I told yeah. you that this is. That's why Doc Cavill is on these podcast team. listeners. They were not the same type of team that they had been. So yeah, I just saw that they were to be getting. And Savannah State has playing been playing some very good basketball. So I thank you for acknowledging that. But when you look a little closer in terms of some of the big games, the other one you had was we talked about um, Langston. And the fact that they were undefeated. Not anymore, my friend. They had their first loss. Texas College. <laughs> I mean, uh, Wiley College uh, got them. Uh, Wiley College got them. Uh, was it so, a road game? Yes. Yeah, so it always happens like that. Uh, Plus, Wiley College is the team I told you is pretty good. They did suffer two wins, but they've gone back to a three-game win streak. So they're playing some very good basketball. So they just ran to them. And it's just something about those rival games. Wiley College. Uh, lost to Texas College, and now Langston loses to Wallace Red River. So still doing well um, as they continue to run rough shot through the league, getting it done. Uh, the Langston Lions are now um, 17-1, 9-1 in terms of a loss. So tough loss there. Uh, Wiley is in third place behind Langston, who is still number one, or tied for number one, or our lady of the lake. Langston and Wiley are two HBC programs. Wiley and Langston, um, Wiley got it done beating Langston in terms on the men's side uh, to close the gap there. Wiley's sitting at uh, third position while Langston is sitting at fourth. Talladega continues to roll 18-3, and 5-0. Suno ladies, ladies are doing really solid, 10-3 and 4-0 and in terms of conference race. Right behind them, 4-1, 11-10 in terms of what's going on there. When we go back to the men on the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, Talladega ranked number six nationally at the NIA. Number 20 is Xavier. Number 23 is Philander Smith. Those updates will come out this week. Um, Wiley and Langston from the men's side are not ranked in the top 25, so they have to keep winning and see if that will change that. But when you look at the women, uh, Langston was ranked number five. They'll probably fall after that loss. Wiley was ranked number 17. You think that they would jump up. So continue to look at that. When you look at the SIAC, Payne is continuing to get it done, 13-3, and 9-0. But then you look at Morehouse, Maroon Tigers right behind them playing some very good basketball as well. 9-6 overall, but 7-1 in the conference race. So they're right there in the mix. Everybody else is a couple of steps behind them with Benedict, Claflin at 6-3 and 5-4 and respectively. That's on the east side for the men. West side, Lemoyne, Owens, and Lane. Five and four, six and three. It's very cluttered over there. Uh, Lane is doing the best at six and three, seven and eight. You have three teams with four losses, another team with five losses. So they're all crowded in the mix, trying to see if they can find a way to claw themselves out of the west side of the SIAC. Going to the women's side of the East Division, Benedict playing some very good solid basketball. Eight and one out of South Carolina area, 13 and four overall. Going to the west side because everybody else is crowded in the east. Albany State had a tough loss this past weekend, so they've fallen further behind uh, Benedict, who are getting it done. So when we said the east, Lemoyne on seven and one, 11 and four. They 
they keep rolling behind them as Kentucky State is six and two, ten and four. Spring Hill that was up there trying to put in the mix had another loss, six and three, nine and eight, as they continue to tumble uh, in terms of that. Let's look at the CIAA. Virginia State, they're rolling on the men's side, thirteen and five, four and oh. They keep winning and getting it done. Very good basketball being played, but right behind them, Bowie State, eight and one in terms of the conference race, uh, leading the way, but they're three and oh in terms of the division as they keep a division race in the CIAA. Southern Division, Livingston, three and oh in that divisional race, six and three in the conference race, twelve and six overall, playing very solid. Winston Salem State has started winning. Four-game win streak, three and zero in the conference race, in the division race, I should say, five and three in the conference race, twelve and five playing some very good basketball right now. They continue to move in a positive direction. Over to the women on the CIAA: Lincoln, Pennsylvania, three and zero, fourteen and four; Virginia State, three and zero, right with them, uh, both undefeated in the divisional race, but a game behind them in the conference race, sitting at five and three, six and two respectively for Lincoln, Pennsylvania, Virginia State. 14 and 4, 13 and 5, Lincoln, Pennsylvania, Virginia State, respectively, as well, overall record. Livingston, they continue to burn down the net, 18 and 0. They become the lone undefeated HBC program at any level, as they do it for the CIAA at 18 and 0, 9 and 0, 2 and 0 in the division race. Livingston, Blue Bears, the Lady Blue Bears, are really playing some very good basketball. But, right, chomping on their heels, St. Augustine in terms of divisional race, as well as Shaw at 2-1 and one right behind them. So not a lot of room for error if they want to come out of their southern division. We will keep an eye on that race. We talked about the big boys and the big girls, if you would, when you look at the major division. We just gave you an update in terms of women. They're playing now, so the men with the road. Texas Southern had a tough loss. Let's just jump right into it. They've lost bigs in terms of him not playing on the team. We'll have to give you some updates of why that is the case, but it affected them because they got a loss, the first conference loss to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Kind to upset quite a lot of people from the standpoint we were seeing if we could get both teams in here, Alabama State with Texas Southern undefeated next Saturday or this Saturday, I said, coming up, but not so fast, my friends. Right now, going down in the Acadome, as they call it over there, in Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama State is undefeated, but they're taking the Southern Jaguars, who are coming in with just one loss, with their loss coming to Texas Southern on the last second free throw that uh, pulled out that game there, if you would, in a last second shot that was not counted. It was obviously after the buzzer, uh, while some of my Jaguar fans seem to find a clip that says that it was good. Then that clip was tampered with, man, because there was no way in the world that shot was good before the buzzer. No way, no how. Hey, somebody came out of the stands, man. That lets you know just how Somebody came out of the stands. That just lets you know how hard it is to win on the bluff. Imagine if there was no camera. You know, it's a good point because the announcers made it during during that broadcast that it was fortunate that it was a TV game, ESPN game, because they had cameras go to angles and things like that because just imagine if they didn't have the oh, angles to, to tell. Because yeah. that it, shot probably would have counted another without the TV camera. That shot was late by a good second. And yeah, the other, other thing, too, you know, now that they got the horns and the and the, and the, and the, the, the lights and all coming on on the scoreboard, when the horn, when everything, when the clock strike, uh, uh, strikes zero, that's a help make now. Yes, and not to get off the subject, but those that watch Coach K get to his thousand win, obviously we're going they, a little they bit. struggled at the middle of that game, though. But going into halftime, St. John's was allowed to keep a three-point 
That right. Actually came there you after go. The shot clock, but because they were looking at the game clock, they counted it, and then says the rule is that they are not allowed right. to go look at a shot clock violation in that. So they didn't look at the clock, and so people were questioning that. So that's another example. Even if you have the right uh, television equipment and stuff like that, things can bite you. But it didn't really become a big deal because obviously Coach K, or as they say, the 1K, as in 1,000, got it done. But back to HBCUs before we get in that a little more in depth. Texas Southern will continue to be on top of the races. We said they won. They were at 4-1, and one, so they improved to 5-1, and 8-9 and nine overall after today's victory. Right behind them is Southern 4-2, and 6-10. and 10. That's a pretty good matchup because Alabama's sitting at 3-2, and 7-8, playing some very good basketball. So we'll have to see if we can get an update maybe before we leave to get you out of that because that'll make some difference. I already told you that the Prairie View's won. And the other one to keep your eye on is Alcorn State at 4-2, and 5-2. Two, and two. They're all in the mix. Uh, with Alabama A&M right behind them at 3-2 and two as well. So that's some big-time uh, basketball there. All Corn State and Alabama A&M are actually playing each other tonight, so keep your eyes on that. Uh, rest in peace for the assistant coach of Alabama A&M's men as he uh, passed away this past week. So giving some love to him. But Alabama State, 5-0, and 9-5. They had a big game with Southern at 5-1, 8-12. Can't wait to make sure you get that game. It is on ESPNU as we speak. So get a chance to uh, peek in and maybe get a piece of that action as well. That, that, that game, PV game? Yes. Um, is not on ESPNU because of the blizzard. Oh, they did cancel. They but, so the game is being played. So I'm not, yeah, it's not going to be on TV. I'm not sure of the release, if that means, because I've read the press release from Prairie View. So I'm not sure if that's because the announcers could not get to the game. I think that's what, or the equipment. Or, I won't get into the reason. (laughs) But if certain things, if this was a game that they were going to plan to do from Bristol, and make it seem like they were at the game. At the game. If that equipment fell through, that's what I'm not sure of. Now, with, with that being said, because Chris apparently, have, have apparently that has happened a few times <laughs> so where ESPN has done games this year from the studio, literally, and not at the game site. You talking about the announcement? Yeah. Yes. Play by play, everything, color. And one of them was here in town. No, they did two games like so, that. Yes, they do, they've done two the games. Been like on that. ESPN News, but was broadcast. The announcers were in Bristol. Speaking. Let me let me get back to this. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to respond to that. Now, Five to one are the women of Tennessee State. I, I'll let you get into that. Okay. That, that, is, that needs to be Go ahead. With. Go ahead. Cause. Tennessee women continue to play some very good basketball. They're leading the East Division of the OVC. Five and one, eight and nine overall. They had a big time win this week. The Tennessee State men are not doing as well. 0 and 5, 3 and 17. So that kind of lines it up. Big Weekend as North Carolina just squeaked out a win by three points as they remain undefeated in the conference play 6-0-14-5. The biggest news is they've stretched their win streak to 29 games after getting out of there. So they play a big one, and that game was supposed to be on ESPNU uh, with North Carolina Central. So I wonder if that's uh, what takes place there as well. Uh, 5-1 is Norfolk State. 12-9 12-9 and nine in terms of sitting right behind them. Um, Hampton women, as I told you, they had a big upset win by Savannah State. Give Savannah State some love. as They're playing good basketball, sitting at 3-2 uh, uh, and two coming into tonight's game as they continue to roll. 
in terms of some bids. That'll do it for the mid-major major division report. Looking like we will be able to get out a poll ranking probably tomorrow. So give you a heads up of depending on what happens tonight, who will be at the top of those rankings, particularly the top five or top three teams should be interesting. On the men's side, uh, North Carolina Central continues to win. They're a no-brainer. The women's side might surprise you. Might come down to someone in Texas. Hopefully. Now, yeah. I, 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 I remember they've not only done two games, they've done three. They've done a men's game like that. Oh, yeah. This, oh, yeah. Uh, the, this, the two games you weren't, you weren't able to get there on time. It happened at Hawkins. And Doc... I, I I would find that so strange, but when we when I got there, I noticed the TVs was was set up on the press up on the on the press side behind the bench, and cameras were all up everywhere, many cameras like the one that I use plus the, the regular TV cameras. And I want to say you face men like against UCF, yeah, like that. that nah, it was the strangest thing. Then after the game was over, with, that's when I, I was like, "What's the deal?" He said. They're doing a game from the studio. What do you mean they're doing a game from the studio? They're announcing the, announcing in the, the color is, is being done. Electronically, technology has taken us so far away. And folks, there, I knew this day was coming. I don't even know how I feel about that. And, and I'm going to tell you how bad it is. To, to go to that quotes, level. So guess, hold that thought. <laughs> to go to that level on the TV side. What we do on a, on a, on just online as journalists, people had a question about that. You should really question what's going on because that's a lot of money getting thrown out to, for two guys to sit up in the studio and do the game and not there, and not at, on, not on site. But I mean, I, I mean that it's, it's, it's good the, fun. I believe the media can report on it, but what is the school going to say? <laughs> Ain't that they going to they going to say? Yeah, they getting a the check. And they're going to move that stuff out of the way. And they're going to just make room for them. And everybody that's, that used to sit there. The only thing they're going to ask is the check going to clear. Oh, well, some schools need that right now. Exactly. They're not going to say that the check's thank coming. You. you know, thank you for your time and everything. They're going to say thank you. What do we need to do? How high? Hey. Now. And I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, let me just read a few things. Go ahead. Because <clears throat> it, it was. In a press release a few months ago, and I didn't realize it, but it's called, what do you want to call it, remote broadcasting is how it's being delivered. Uh, delivered. Okay. Uh, BYU Pepperdine was another example when they were in studio in Bristol calling the game. A quote from uh, ESPN Vice President of Remote Operations. We have a new state-of-the-art facility and a commitment to the latest production innovations. Given those resources and the frequency and volume of college basketball, we are able to try something new. For these select games, we plan to bring a smaller production truck to the event site with our standard complement of cameras plus other equipment and operations personnel. The live individual camera and audio feed will be sent back to ESPN in Bristol where a producer and director will be located along with the commentators who will call the action, end quote. Now, and from the press release uh, about two months ago, I didn't even realize this, but 
for approximately 45 of the 2,700 game telecast uh, this season, ESPN will supplement its on-site event presence with production support originating at ESPN. The opening of ESPN's new Digital Center 2 earlier this year helped pave the way for this opportunity. So 45 games will be be done like this. And fans... The only thing I can say is if it has been done for one of the games I watched, I couldn't tell. But Twitter, (laughs) watching the BYU Pepperdine game is like watching diving in the Olympics. This is a tweet. There's no crowd or player sound at all on ESPN. Sounds awful. Anyone else in favor of pulling the announcer's plug and just airing the BYU game with crowd noise only? Another tweet. The announcers for the Pepperdine BYU game on ESPNU are calling the game from a studio back east. They aren't at the game. Sounds awkward. You know, I saw that tweet. Some, and I, I, it wasn't, wasn't from a friend of ours that made one of, one of the people that, that made the, the first mention it. Not, well, not this game. Okay. But somebody, a friend of ours did mention it. In. But I think, yeah, I think someone I know has mentioned it. But, I mean, if I'm right, I, I think it was, I wouldn't was you way too Because I truly believe I, I saw would, the game at, on TV. And then I went to the game late. And so I was looking around and I didn't see the right. TV announcers there. I think that's the one I texted you. So, yeah, I think so. Game, yeah. Said, not, not yet. And, 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 and really, when the tweet came, I didn't pay any attention to it. I like, I just re- retweeted it because, you know, it just made mention it from one of my followers or whatever. And to, to see it, to see it set up, it's just interesting. They take over about two or three tables. You know, they set up everything and they got their, just, now the question I will have will this mean that we'll have more games broadcast from apparently so the non higher tier programs possibly because it's been done for, for it's, it's easy to soccer do and you know you can't go to to international competition you can tell they do the games from studio for some soccer matches the big not even big time but just some of the regular games on the pitch you can tell that they're in studio and NBA games international games probably the last three or four years games that were on NBA TV, those games were, the announcers were in studio while the game was being played in Italy or, you know, or somewhere overseas. So I've noticed that. But this was the first time, you know, American-wise, so, that I so actually per- saw it firsthand. So the next question is, is will they start piping in noise to substitute to make sure that they make it sound more authentic? Once it becomes more noticeable, they probably will. Because folks are going to start asking questions, you know, at least, the, the so quick, they the, do that, and you can't tell. Yeah, I mean, some of the broadcasts, I think, it's one Twitter, question it's, about the, two, the BYU Pepperdine game, I think that was an audio problem. Because most of the game, you can't tell. If you're if it's done correctly, you, you, you should yeah, be able to tell. Up, if it's synced up right, but I was, like I said, you're not going to notice it. At U of H, I was there. So I, I didn't see anybody there. So like if I said, I, I'm, I'm stunned in a lot of ways, and I'm not even sure how I feel about it. I'm trying to look. They're taking money, Doc. They're taking money. Well, obviously, I understand they the take, game and the business side of it. I'm just talking about a, a purist type framework. I need, and, yeah. you know, and, and these and games. Essentially, if, you know, half of us talk about broadcasters anyway and watch the game without it, so it's not like we're in love with 
for so many of them out there. So I think the biggest thing that people really want is they would want to see their team on television. Yeah. Having a broadcaster is great, but at the end of the day, really what you want to see, if this means that I can see three more HBCU basketball games that I normally wouldn't see, I take it. And see, and to piggyback that, with watch ESPN or the ESPN3 or whatever, if the, if doing it like this remotely gets more HBCUs, more SWAC, MEAC, more Southland games on the watch app, I'm I'm for that. Exactly. You know, I don't see a problem if it, if it's done right. Right. No, it always has to be done right. So, and that, and that may and be I a way think, to go. And you and you think about it. If it's like get, anything, the more they do it, yeah. you got to believe the better they're going to get at If you have, you know, announcers who know what they're doing, like you have the American Digital Network, if you have good announcers who are able to do it and that they're tied with ESPN, as an example. But if you have school announcers, school properties, who end up doing watch ESPN games, whatever, and do it more professionally and cut out the homer, homerism and stuff like that, this might be a... Away yeah, with the future. Yeah. When you think about it, they do that with a lot of the um, um, one of our colleagues from this area actually is a uh, ESPN hired contractor, if you would, to do Southland games. Mm-hmm. So if you can find people to do your game uh, that actually have more ESPN, have more HBCU knowledge, I can actually see. At some point, that it could actually be a better product because they can tie in actually a lot more factual HBU information that some people have concerns uh, with the HBCU games and that they like the fact that they're covered, but they don't necessarily bring the information along with it. Well, this is another way that they can do that. We're going to wrap up the podcast, but in with a few that, minutes. You, wrapping it up, you know, you got to get in that number one South Carolina, 79, Texas A&M, 621. I, I didn't really want to talk about that, but <laughs> not just yet because. At least they were close. That ain't close. That's 18 points. That's not hey, close. For, 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 and for, it and was worse than that the whole game. So they, there you go. You know, the, the, that's what I was referring to. Uh, well, I, the, I top two team, the top two teams to win basketball are South Carolina and Connecticut. Yeah. They played each other February 9th. I was looking forward to that. Kind of call off the dog. The other thing I want to give Savannah State some more love. They won again, fifty-six, fifty-four over Norfolk State. Quote from article: Schools like Texas Southern are doing this for one reason and one reason only: hammers to make money. Putting an unpaid amateur student on the road for two straight months, like a minor league baseball player, is unconscionable. There is no leg- legitimate reason for such games to be played when the universe of Division One can be easily reduced so that schools with similar resources and missions can play each other and business can be conducted in a fair and open way. What is inevitable in college basketball and college football, in addition to player compensation, is the contraction of the ridiculously large field into fewer units. College basketball can reduce the size of Division I and have more competitive play among teams that have more in common. It will make the product better. Fans will buy tickets to better games because they are clearly not consuming these quote-unquote guarantee games the way they used to. Agree? Disagree? Reducing the size of Division I is not that difficult in word or deed. 
being extremely generous as to inclusion, if the NCA were simply to take the 65 teams for the quote-unquote five power conferences, we know who they are, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC, plus the 11 teams from the AC, the 14 teams from the Atlantic 10, the 10 teams from the Big East, 10 teams from the Missouri Valley Conference, the 11 teams from the Mountain West, and the 10 teams of the West Coast West Coast Conference, Division I would have 131 teams. That is a manageable number and one from which every team could put together competitive non-conference schedules to go along with their league slates. And so 131 is a far cry from the almost 350 we have in Division I now. Is that is contraction going to happen? Should it happen? Is it inevitable, as Jay Billis wrote in this article? It should happen, but it won't happen. Why not? I don't think folks are going to stay away from, going to get away from the program the way they have it right now, with the term of being where it is. They've got it as manageable to where they even keep uh, the lower tier teams from the lower tier conferences. You know, them applying for those last what four? five, uh, six spots, eight spots, whatever it is, uh, playing those playing games in Dayton. The people are happy with, with, with getting their shot. You know, and it, it's some of these coaches and all, they're keeping, out, they're keeping them, uh, keeping money in their pocket. You know, they pay, they're winning games. But, uh, that's not a um, standard being set at that, at that level from the AD and from the president, folks being held to a high, uh, high standard as they do, like here at Texas Southern. To perfect example, Prairie View. Athletic department is put on a different level. You know, that's just, you got to hold to a certain standard over a certain amount of time. You, you're given time, but you're also on the clock from the day one. Am I wrong, Doc? I don't necessarily. I mean, we're guessing at this. I don't know. I mean, I say that you're wrong, right? But you, I think for the most part, it has already happened. Because the separation is there. Yeah, it already exists. I mean, that article showed it very clearly. The fact that Texas Southern played 10 games at home. Now on the road. On the road. Um, no, they play, They will play 10 we'll games. We'll play 10 games on the whole season. Meaning they play 20. Uh, they'll play 20 games on the road, 10 conference games, and basically 10 non-conference games that we refer to as money games. They did have two big wins to their credit. Uh, but they also had a couple of Bopper games mixed in with that. And I don't necessarily say that I want it to happen, but if these own schools are not going to do what needs to be done in terms of marketing on their own is cognizant, then I think they have no choice but to make the decision for them uh, from the framework that they are money people and they are greedy. Uh, for lack of better words, so they're gonna find a reason to get more of the money, and so I think without question, I disagree from this frame. I think it will happen. As I said, the framework's already there. It is happening. It is a separation. We can try to act like they're all Division One if we want to, but we know that there are different tiers. We have found a way within the media to create our own language to talk about the tiers: mid-major, major, mid-major, mid low-major. Mm -hmm. People don't even like to use, uh, but it is what it is. We look at it from the top 100 basically to the other 200, and you have top 100 mid-major is simply the next 
100 at the best, and then you have the final 100. So it's it's separated, it exists, it will continue to exist, and eventually they're going to get tired of giving the little money they have, and they will separate. And if you think about it, the financial means will separate it themselves. How are you going to tell me that some of those kids that slipped, uh, that now transfer, how many of them folks are really going to transfer now? And if they transfer, where are they going to transfer to to make sure they can continue to get the money that now has been uh, by autonomy stating that it would be given? Who's going to want to give up that money? As I said, not I. Not I. And you already have kids that talk about transfer. So now if you see a kid that Texas Southern that did slip through the cracks as a freshman in his junior year and he... Uh, 20-pointer, who's to say who's not going to say, you, you sure you don't want to transfer? That's true. That's true. So that's, that's a point to ponder, point to consider, listeners. Give us your thoughts via Twitter or Facebook. Doc, how can folks find you? Yes, you can find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's fake, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at D-R-K-E-N Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. You can also find me now on social, I mean on SoundCloud, where I provide a tape version of the radio show that I do live weekly on kcuhradio.com. That's www.kcuhradio.com. For those in the local area, that's KCUH Radio 1230 on the dial AM. And so you can find me there. As I say, I tape that and put it on SoundCloud at Inside the HBC Sports Lab. So you can find it if you're not able to catch it live every Tuesday from 7 to 8 uh, Central Standard Time. You can email me directly at kcaville at thg-agency.com, kcaville at thg-agency.com. And outside of that, you'll catch me in the classroom lecturing on particularly this semester on sports marketing, marketing and uh, the history of HBCU sports at Texas Southern University Tuesday and Thursday Wildcat you can find me um, on the media platforms of Sound uh, of SoundCloud Blogger Blogsport and YouTube at AKSV DCSR the College Sports Report you can find me at uh, Twitter TweetDeck and Facebook as J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. A couple of uh, notes to be making. One, today Rice Owl Sr. Seth Gerhardt was named as a Lowe's uh, candidate for uh, awards candidate uh, for this season. And good for him. Uh, the Owls are off, uh, off tonight, uh, and they play again on Wednesday in Hawfines Pavilion on the campus of University of Houston against KG's 0-8 in conference play, Houston Cougars. And uh, uh, <laughs> thank, thank goodness that, that Coach Sampson is a, is, a, is a good sport, and he understands, you know, uh, when reporters asked him a question, he didn't bite. He basically gave a... Uh, a Straight comment. Uh, I went by the other day after practice, and I talked to him about uh, 
the team's uh, road trip this past weekend. Um, you know, it's it, he, like he says, we're on a journey. This is a marathon. You know, this, this is not a sprint race. And I'm going with what I got. And we're going to get through it all, and guys got to just remember that, and fans got to remember that. That's the important thing. Fans got to remember that. You know, whoever thought that we were, and this is coming out of his mouth directly, we were headed to the NC2A tournament this year. Shame on them. (laughs) That wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. That was not going to happen. But, uh, you know, Wentz is two coaches that have never coached against each other. Uh, He's never seen Rice. Uh, Coach Rhodes, you know, he mentioned about uh, how that team is headed in the right direction, and he said, "So are we." You know, it, uh, the Cougars are—they're gonna get better. Better days are gonna come. He said, "Right now, we're just going through some some trials, you know, and then stronger men will prevail." And I think so on both programs. I think they're both headed in the right direction. Um, concerning the women. It's not a pretty sight right now, and we don't know how it's going in. <laughs> we, we just don't. Um, recruiting is going. Hopefully it gets better. You know, folks, are, the, the new crew that's coming in will challenge and folks will compete because in both of these conferences, they have gotten better from the days that Chris and I have seen when it was at a horrible rate. When you just look at one or two teams just getting into postseason play. That's how bad it was. Am I wrong? Oh no, you're not. You're not wrong. But it, the women's basketball is not as good as it was when we had Louisville, Cincinnati, UVA, oh, no, TCU, and DePaul in Conference USA together. That's the heyday of Conference USA women's basketball. Now they got Middle Tennessee and West Kentucky in there now, and the bar has been raised for the other teams yeah. to get to that level. So we'll see if, how long it takes them to get to that level. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Middle Tennessee, they're holding this, they're, they're raising the bar for the rest of the conference. Southern Miss is hanging on. <clears throat> they kind of on a roller coaster ride this year, which is unusual for them. Uh, now, and, my, and lastly for me, uh, St. Thomas, this past weekend, they split games on, on the road. Um, on Friday, they were at, uh, out late of the late, St. Thomas women, Lost to, uh, uh, no, they won. No, it, I'm serious. It, uh, I'm wrong. Both teams lost at the late of the late. The women, it was 85-72. The men were 69-67. And on the, uh, at Houston Tillerson, it was the men that lost 80-72. And the women won 64-58 in overtime. Before we shut it down, I want to add... A little HBCU love, and then get my pick for the Super Bowl. Uh, we probably won't be back on before that game. We don't want to get into any more. Whatever it is that they doing. The Deflate Gate. No, it's Deflate Gate. I put it out there. Okay. The physics. 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 Yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah. And <laughs> no, no, particularly the fact that I thought it was funny because they find it and show that they're all repelled. Oh, yeah. This, but then you find out the same day that uh, they're selling they merchandise. Selling merchandise yeah. of them grabbing it and they have to pull it and be like, oh, yeah, you can't, we can't sell what we find somebody. But I want to give some more love to HBCUs. Brian Timms, wide receiver, 6'3", uh, second year player from Florida A&M, finds himself in a Super Bowl. 
behind New England Patriots. And obviously you have Tavares Jackson. Nine years. He's got nine years. Wow. Nine years in uh, for Seattle. Won the Super Bowl last year, obviously, as a backup. Um, He's playing for him. And then you have. Folks didn't give him a a shot. Didn't give him a chance. And then you have Ricardo Lockett, uh, fourth year player wide receiver for Fort Valley State. But as I talk about. Just the world connection of HBCUs. I want to give a shout out to a dear friend of mine, Dr. DeGregory, uh, that does HBCU story. She did some research and people have talked about Russell Wilson's background. And she went just a little deeper and there were six items that tie him to HBCUs. It just tells you the importance of history of HBCUs and how far they went. I go this quickly. If you want to go into detail and really read about it, I'll just do the six title parts of it for the sake of time. But you can go to the HBCUstory.com and type in Russell Wilson, the six items that tie him to HBCU. Six, his grandfather graduated from Kentucky State University. Number five, his grandfather was president of Norfolk State University from 1975 to 1997. Uh, the fourth one, his grandmother graduated from South Carolina State University, a 1951 graduate of South Carolina State. Number three, his grandfather was one of the most successful coaches at Jackson State University history, Dr. Harrison Wilson, Jr., 371 wins, 93 losses. Coach J.S.U. Basketball, at that time they were actually Jackson State College, 17 seasons, uh, he had a losing season and recorded just 13, um, excuse me, he never had a losing season, I want to state that correctly, and recorded 13 20-plus win seasons. Uh, I'm sure he played more than 10 home games during that time. Uh, twice from 1955 and 56 and 1963 and 64. That's during the time uh, when teams were playing in the old National Steering Committee to get a bid the first four years to get a bid to the NAI tournament to give you some true history out there. He actually coached some players, uh, New York Knicks, Cleveland Buckner, uh, from former NBA player and father Kansas, Jayhawks Jay Danny Manning, and uh, Paul Covington, who ended up being one of his disciples and coaching Jackson State to some marvelous season as well. Number two, his great-great-grandmother graduated from Weber Forest University in 1901. Weber Forest University was one of the first HBCUs ever founded, and it was on the railroad, if you would, to the Underground Railroad that many of us historically know, and it was the first stop uh, as you were coming out of the Deep South and going into the Midwest, or what most people call the Northern uh, Line of Freedom. Number one, uh, no less, would be the fact that his grandfather was the first cousin of legendary TSU football coach John A. Merritt. Uh, They were brothers and sisters, so some intriguing ties and incredible history in terms of Russell Wilson. So now you all know another reason why I'm a fan of Russell Wilson, uh, a little more than most people would fathom, and the fact with that, he knows, about adversity. he knows about adversity. He knows about adversity. New England uh, to win a very tight, close ball game. I'm saying the game will be 34 to 30. See how gets it done. With Marshawn Lynch grabbing his crouch at the end of the game. 
out is the whole yeah, that, point to it'll be kind of I think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I, I said that's gonna for, happen uh, at least twice. <laughs> Doc, you do what at the end. You gotta do the whole game because you don't want the 15-yard penalty. Yeah, but it'll be but interesting you know to see what what uh, Goodell, <laughs> what Goodell I agree. would do. I agree. That's gonna happen. But just because uh, that's who they are. That, that's who they are as a team. Have he grabbed his trophy? That's that's as a team. That group is just kind of like, they just out there. They just out well, there. Well, I think uh, as we began the show, I think it's the perfect way to close it. Is the fact not only are they out there, but I think. As you said, Tagalog, previous commissioner Tagalog said, if you have a lot of players who right. simply have a very dislike discord for this commissioner because they feel that they're just not treated fairly. fairly. Some of it I agree that they are overstepping the bounds and they need to be penalized. But other times I think they just feel like it's the heavy hand of the law in regards to NFL and uh, that they can't do what they want. From that, I'll close up. Um, it'll be a struggle for Lamar, uh, for HBU women to make the conference tournament this year. They are two and five near the halfway mark. The next game is, uh, Thursday night against Abilene Christian. They are eight and ten and two and five in the league and they lost a heartbreaker to Lamar. They just couldn't finish the game. I'm picking New England. Just because of the controversy. Um, I don't think it's going to be a big score. I think it's gonna be a, it's just gonna be a knockdown drag out, uh, rock 'em, sock 'em, like 28 to 32. I will pick Seattle to represent the NFC and we disregard those Cheatriots. Um, <laughs> the physics majors, those are physics majors now. Yeah, whatever. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, man was teaching. Whatever. <laughs> and, and, and the head coach physicist there is the commissioner to do that, something about that, it. That bothered me. I, I don't know about anybody else. That bothered me. You basically challenged and throw the gauntlet down and said, if you think I'm lying, prove it. That's basically what he just just did when he and they, and they come and said it. That's what he did. Hey, but when you when you challenge, I don't fight. know of anybody in media that gets challenged like that one on one. That somebody says, "Boom, I'm gonna find a way." Am I wrong? Well, but then, come on now. I'm not saying anything. I don't disagree. Right. Like I said, the Cheatriots. Well, anyway, I'll pick Seattle. Let's say uh, 31-28. And you can go to YouTube, watch commercials before the, the big game. Anyhow, uh, we were correct. The uh, PV game this evening was one of the 45 to be broadcast from Bristol. Oh, so this, uh, that's so, across the board. So that's why it will not be on ESPNU this evening because of I guess it's too cold for the guys to get to the studio in Bristol. I don't know, whatever, technical difficulties, whatever. Well, this morning. No, I think there's a storm coming in. Oh, yeah, I, I know. This. So, yeah, so. Probably just fell off the road if they hadn't already made it to the studio. Well, uh, apparently they've, well, this this happened this morning because I was actually listening. Uh, a couple of guys have, had they've been told uh, the studio people to move into the uh, four hotels uh, near the campus yeah. that they all stand in and all that. The, uh, until all this is over with, yeah, and like you know whatever happens, happens. So it'll be interesting. Kind of wrap it up. Uh, thanks to uh, THG Agency, we have uh, some things that we will be announcing in the uh, future. 
for listeners. So just stay uh, tuned. Keep listening to the podcast. Check out the Facebook page for KG Biffle Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Tweet us on Twitter. I am KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. Twitter account is T-H-E-H-R Review. HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.